Today, uh, we're going to be looking at something that is one of the most important things that is being missed today. And it's one of those things that uh, churches fight about. Churches, our church, just split from another denomination over this sort of stuff. It is a crucial truth that needs to be uh, voiced and that we need to be aware of. And, and so this is why I'm talking about this today is because there are many people that have been hindered in their walk with the Lord by misinformation. And so let's get started. The passage says, see to it that no one falls uh, fails to obtain the grace of God. And we've talked about the root of bitterness. And then uh, right in that, look at this, where it's talking about the root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it, many become defiled. And then that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau. Now, if you look through the scripture, you're not going to see anywhere where Esau is sexually immoral. But this is brought out and uh, the Holy Spirit wanted this emphasized for a reason. Uh, Sexually immoral or unholy like Esau. And, uh, And then he uses Esau as an example for us as to what not to do. And so uh, this is what we're going to be looking at. It says, who sold his birthright for a single meal. Sold his birthright for a single meal. Now notice, as we've already called this to your attention, that the writer of Hebrews specifically includes sexual immorality. And this is a category of sin that the world and even many organized religions today want us to embrace in our nation. In fact, there are those who hold that we can do whatever we want to do in this area and God doesn't care. Uh, they'll say that, they, that, that that's Old Testament and that doesn't matter. We're not under the law. We're under grace. Well, yeah, we're under grace. But the law helps you to see what's pleasing to God. And then there's more to it because you see, there was a, a major conflict in the church just as it was getting started. There were some that thought that if you're going to be a good Christian, you have to follow the whole of the Jewish law, including the ceremonial law and uh, the institutional law uh, and uh uh, the, uh, and the moral law. And there are different categories. The ritual, the laws of ritual, all of those things, they're saying, if you're going to be a good Christian, you've got to be a good Jew first. And uh, because of that, there was this clash because there was, say, no, 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 no. The sacrifice has stopped because Jesus died on the cross for us and he was the the full and perfect sacrifice for the sins of the whole world and we've received what he did we've been washed we've been cleansed and we don't and we're living under grace now 
But anyway, they were having this problem with those that were wanting to uh, maintain and enforce the whole of the law. And then there were those Gentiles that just didn't see that. So they had a conference where the disciples and the other, the apostles, the other Jewish leaders in Jerusalem got together and they prayerfully uh, went over this. And finally, they sent out this letter. And people don't want to talk about this. Listen to what it says in this letter that they sent out to the Gentiles. And this includes you and me. We're Gentiles, you know. Uh, So this includes us. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials. There's that word essential again. You were talking about the essentials of Christian maturity. That you abstain from things sacrificed to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication. If you keep yourselves free from such things, you will fare well. People don't want to even look at this. They don't want to consider this. They just go on and um, I've had dear, dear friends and and, and uh, relatives just say, oh, we don't we don't pay attention to the Old Testament anymore. But that's where you look to find out what fornication is. That's where it begins. That was Jesus Bible was the Old Testament. It hasn't been done away with, but a lot of the things were fulfilled in it. And uh, so but anyway, but we're told we can do a whole lot of other stuff. We can have chicken fried steak with cream style gravy on it. That's a blessing. Okay. But see, if you're a good Jewish person upholding the law, you can't have dairy and, uh, and, uh, and, and beef together in the same meal. And so you can't even have, uh, you can't even be putting, putting butter on your steak when you're cooking it, you know, because that's against the Jewish law. That's a dietary law. We're not held by the dietary laws. We can eat shrimp. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. See, we're, but we cannot fornicate. Okay. We can't do that. That's something that holds true. Fornication includes any form of sexual practice outside the bonds of one man married to one woman. And this is one of the foundational uh, stances of uh, the global Methodist church. One man and one woman. This includes uh, or it, it excludes same sex unions and viewing pornography. Uh, those things just are not acceptable. They're not pleasing to God. And uh, so we have to abstain from those. We've been told, stay away from those things. Now notice the writer of the Hebrews does not tell us about poor Esau who was swindled out of the blessing by his brother, does it? That's not what it talks about. Rather, we're told that he desired to inherit the blessing, but was rejected. In fact, the writer of Hebrews uses Esau as an example of failing to obtain the grace of God due to his unholiness. And so we need to go back and look at what 
happened in Esau's life this morning so that we can learn how he failed to obtain the grace of God. Through Esau's failure, we can learn uh, how to inherit the blessing uh, and not be rejected by God. Now, the record of events regarding uh, Jacob and Esau are found in Genesis, the 25th uh, chapter, the 29th through the 34th verses. And there we're told that Jacob was cooking stew and his brother Esau came uh, in from the field exhausted and famished. And Esau asked uh, to eat some of the red stew because he's so hungry. And Jacob says, okay, you can have some stew uh, if you'll sell me your birthright. I'll give you stew in exchange for your birthright. Now, we need to have a clear understanding of the birthright to understand uh, that, that what this exchange that Jacob is uh, proposing is all about. Think about this, uh, this offer. I'll sell you a meal of red stew if you will give me your inheritance rights and the right to carry on the family name as the head of the family. That's all I'm asking in exchange for uh, this, uh, this, this, this bowl of stew. Now, it's a ridiculous consideration, isn't it? Who would, would do such a thing? I want you to trade all your future rights for a single meal today. But look at verse 32. Esau says that he's about to die and the birthright is uh, no good to him right now. You see that? He says, what good is his birthright doing me right now? How in the world do you make that exchange? How do you sell your whole future uh, and your hope for a momentary meal? It's exactly what Esau did. I think that one, what the thing that Esau was thinking was, well, you know, my daddy loves me. I'm his favorite. He likes me a whole lot more than he does Jacob. He's not going to pay any attention to this. because, And I'm not really going to lose my birthright. I'm not really going to lose my inheritance because my daddy loves me. So I'll just say this and get my stew and then move on. Don't you think that's what he was thinking? I think that's what a lot of us are thinking when we're faced with a sin that we really want to commit. And we'll tell ourselves, I know my daddy loves me. He's not going to take this seriously. So I'll just go ahead and do it now and apologize later. That's what happens, isn't it? This is what Esau did. Verse 34 tells us how you make this kind of decision. Verse 34 says that Esau despised his birthright. The only way you can make this trade is if you don't value the promised inheritance. He showed contempt for what was promised to him, and he'd rather have something right now in this moment instead of what lies ahead. And look at what the writer of Hebrews points out. For you know that later, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, even though he sought it with tears because he didn't find any opportunity for repentance. Now notice that we're not told 
that Esau wanted to inherit the blessing, but he couldn't because Jacob stole it. Even though he was seeking it with tears, this is what Isaac and uh, Esau thought. They thought Jacob stole it. When Esau heard his father's words, he cried out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me too, father. He'd already given the blessing to Jacob, you see. But he replied, Your brother came deceitfully, and he took your blessing. So he said, Isn't he rightfully, this is Esau talking, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me twice now. He took my birthright, and now he has taken my blessing. Really? Really? Esau says that Jacob took his birthright. But did Jacob take it? Not exactly. Esau traded his birthright. Esau had a choice, and he voluntarily traded his birthright. He didn't value his inheritance and traded it for a meal. Jacob didn't steal it from him. He gave it away for nearly nothing. He didn't prize his inheritance. He didn't cherish his inheritance. He was in a place of blessing that was going to uh, be his for the whole world. The God, God was going to bless him. He was destined to be uh, the source of blessing for the entire world, both the Jews and the Gentiles. And he swapped it for a bowl of stew. He didn't value it for what it was. But Jacob saw what it was worth. And he wanted it. Then Esau says that Jacob has now taken his blessing. But the writer of Hebrews says, actually, that's not quite right either. Jacob didn't take the blessing from him. God did that. Esau wanted the blessing, but he was rejected. And why was he rejected? The writer of Hebrews says that it was because he showed contempt for his birthright. It didn't matter how badly he wanted to be blessed. It was not going to happen because he had despised his birthright. And so I want you to understand this for this today. This is so important. The blessings go with the birthright. The birthright comes first. The blessings are attached to the birthright. And so if you despise your birthright, you forfeit your blessing. This is so important. Our birthright comes, as, as Christians, comes with salvation. John 1, 11 through 13 says, He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. There are many people who say, well, we're just all children, all of humanity, we're all children of God. In a loose sense, that is true. Because we were all created by God. Every one of us began as an idea 
in the heart of God. But we don't become officially children of God and a part of his family until we have been brought into the kingdom of God by receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. As many who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So the first thing that comes is the new birth, the birthright, the blessings come with the new birth. They're not just automatically yours because you're a human being. Do you see that? You've got to become a part of the kingdom of God, a part of the family of God, and you're adopted into the kingdom when you uh, receive what Jesus did on the cross and appropriate it personally for your sin. And this is where the teaching gets so wrong. I've heard, I've heard preachers when I was growing up say, whenever somebody asked about, well, what about being saved? And they say, saved from what? God loves you. Why do you have to be saved? You have to be saved so you can go and be with God. That's why Jesus went to the cross. If salvation wasn't important, Jesus didn't have to die. If it wasn't a big deal, whenever the Son of God was kneeling there, sweating drops of blood, saying, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. There was no other way, obviously, because Jesus got up from there and didn't just ascend directly into heaven. He had to go to the cross. This is so important, so important. You see, the blessings come with the birthright. The birthright comes through salvation. Then it becomes yours. And then come the blessings. And there are both present blessings and future blessings that are ours through the blood of Jesus and being brought into the family of God. First, present blessings. I just kept adding to this list as I was going through. I was adding more this morning after I'd already printed all this out. Presence, his being with us. That just means so much to me. He is with us. Promises, his word is filled with promises for us today. And those promises aren't for the sweet by and by. They're also for the here and now. Power, help, peace, healing, fellowship. These are all blessings that come to us through the birthright in the here and now. And then, of course, there are future blessings, heaven and eternal life. And then there are those that kind of just go back and forth like peace, that peace that passes all understanding. Once I didn't fear death anymore because I knew that death was just my ticket to heaven, all of a sudden I had a peace in this life that I never had before. And so uh, I don't, I used to fear so many things that might kill me. And now then, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And that's the way it is for a believer to live as Christ, to die is gain. Now, here's the main point of all of this. Do not look for God to bless you when you hold his birthright, that inheritance that he has for you, 
when you hold those promises in contempt. Esau still wanted the blessing, even though he traded away his birthright. The writer of Hebrews is teaching us that it it doesn't work like that. But think about how often we want it to work this way. And sadly, so many people are living this way and saying, yeah, this is the way to live. We want to throw away our eternal inheritance promised to us, living life how we want to live and doing what we want to do, somehow thinking that God should still bless us now and take us to heaven later. And we're choosing the devil over the Lord over and over again and despising the birthright. So why is God going to bless our lives when we're not living for our eternal for our eternal inheritance? Jesus himself made this point very clear in the Sermon on the Mount. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all these things that you need will be added to you. But what we want to do is uh, seek first our desires and uh, our way of righteousness and think that uh, God's blessing are still going to be added to us. Jesus said we've got to seek him and his kingdom first and above all else, and then God's blessings will be added to us. This past week, read across a young lady. She's 32 years old, and she was online looking for a husband. And uh, I didn't ask her that. I started to say, well, how's that working for you? You know, but uh, anyway, uh, we talked a bit. She said, I'm getting older and I want to get married and have kids. And I said, well, you know, what you need to do first is uh, live a life that's pleasing to God. First thing you need to do is make sure that you're living your life for him. And if you will let him have your heart and give him your life, he's going to make sure you get everything that you need. He's told us that over and over again in Scripture. But you start doing what He wants you to do, and if He wants you to have Mr. Right, He'll show you Mr. Right. He'll bring Mr. Right into your life. And you know what her reply is, or was? But I want to get married and have kids. She paid no attention to what I was saying. And this is the way so many people in the world are today. They know what they want. And God better give it to them. That's not how it works. That's not. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then your needs will be added to you. He knows you have needs and he has the best way for them to be fulfilled. So uh, anyway, but to go ahead and put him first. Don't be like this young lady. She was willing to throw away. She didn't want to consider her inheritance She didn't want to look at it or examine it because she knew what she wanted so bad. And I understand that. Her biological clock was ticking. I know that. I know that. But I also know that the Lord can make a way when it doesn't even seem like there is a way. If you'll trust him. 
But until you trust him, you're never going to find that out. So applications very quickly. First, do not live for instant gratification because it will rob you of God's blessings. If you make a decision for the right now in life, you're going to end up trading the priceless eternal inheritance of God. Something I didn't write down here, but uh, is uh, so important that goes right in with all this. Don't take God for granted. You see, that's what Esau did with, uh, with his father. He took his father's love for granted. And because of that, he forfeited the, the blessings and the inheritance he could have gotten through his father. There are two different life trajectories that require making different decisions. And this is also the point that Jesus was making in the Sermon, sermon on the Mount. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will inherit the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works, many mighty works in your name? And then I, this is Jesus talking, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of darkness. There are going to be so many people who think that they're saved and belong to the kingdom of God, but have gone their own way like Esau. Please do not confuse your fleshly urges with eternal importance. Living for the present will rob you of God's blessings. Second, they're decisions that we make that forever change the direction of our lives. This is another component of what the writer of Hebrews is teaching about Esau's decision. Hebrews 12, 15 warns us that to make, he warns us to make sure that we do not fail to obtain the grace of God being defiled by unholy living. How many people do you think claim that they've made a decision for Christ and now you see them making decisions that despise Christ every day of their lives? Think about that. There's so many decisions that forever change the course of our lives. Decisions that cannot be changed no matter what we do and no matter how badly we seek it with tears. We live in a culture right now that thinks that we can do what we want without consequences. But this is not reality. Every decision has present and physical consequences and future eternal consequences. The decision Esau made about his birthright didn't seem to be a big deal to him at the time, but it changed everything for his life later on, didn't it? We need to consider this. Choose righteousness so that you are not shut out from God's blessings. I want to close by just asking you this one question. And it's a question you should ask every time you have a decision to make like that decision that Esau had to make. 
That question is this. What is eternity worth? What is it worth to you? What is the value of eternity? What's the value of your eternal soul? Is your eternal inheritance worth a single meal or a single one night stand or a single anything else that the devil is offering to you? We're exchanging the present blessings of God and the future eternal inheritance for a moment of sin. Why would we do this? We're going to fail to obtain the grace of God if we live like Esau. So, will you live for Jesus so that you can have the blessings and the birthright that are rightfully yours? Or will you live for yourself and throw away the blessings and the birthright that you could have enjoyed? How sad it will be, brothers and sisters, when eternity comes and we're told that no one took eternity from us but we simply threw it away. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.